Welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast with practical advice for mid-career professionals. I'm Kat Royer. And I'm Liz Bronson. And today I am so excited to introduce our guest, my friend and colleague, Michelle Olivier. Michelle is the co-owner of ONH Consulting, a career coaching, resume rewriting, and recruiting company focused on helping people get the best jobs for them. Michelle is very underline, underline, active on LinkedIn and is available to help job seekers navigate the crazy world of career growth and job changes. We wanted to talk to Michelle about resumes, interview tips, and her perspective on job hunting today. Michelle, welcome to Real Job Talk. Please tell us about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Oh gosh. I mean, I feel like after that intro, I'm not sure what's left to be said. Like I'm boring after all of that. And I've been in recruitment and HR for, let's just say over 20 years, because much more than that would say a lot about my age. Um, So over 20 years, I've worked globally. So I worked in the UK for 10 and a half years and and back here. And so I always get annoyed when people have on their resume, like I work in global recruitment. I'm like, friend, (laughs) probably not, probably, probably not in the same kind of way. And um, I've worked across sectors. I somehow keep coming back to tech. I think that if you speak tech, you wind up in tech because it's like, oh, one of us, one of us. <laughs> and, and so I really, I'm a gamer myself. So I do a lot of recruitment with the gaming industry just because, again, I speak their language. And as, again, one of us, one of us, they get excited about working with me. But I work in all kinds of different sectors um, for whoever. So that's, that's me. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. We, I've been excited all week to talk with you. So let's start kind of big picture and let's start with resumes. What are your kind of big picture rules for resumes? For the employer or for the candidate? For the candidate. For the candidate. And the biggest picture issue is that the top one third of your first page needs to answer three questions for me, which is, who are you? What do you want? And why do I care? And if I don't get a pretty good answer to those three things, you go straight into the no section. And so there's all of these like stupid numbers that people banter around about like recruiters only look at your resume for 20 seconds, most of which is horse wallop. But what is true is that we look at it for about 20 seconds to decide if you're a no or a maybe. Mm-hmm. If you're a maybe, you get a heck of a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. So, but that initial like knee jerk, it's really that like that first page, especially the top third. I always say it's above the scroll that, um, you know, the old marketing phrase of like above the fold these days it's above the scroll. Recruiters are busy and we're lazy. And like, as a result, I'm not going to do a lot of digging. I think, um, I think I was saying to Liz the other day, One of my clients has in their ATS, you just get the first page view of the resume. And then there's like clicking and stuff that you got to do if you want to see more Mm -hmm. than that. If there is not a really good reason for me to jump those hoops, I'm not going to. I have 50 applicants. Mm -hmm. I'm about to sit here and wait on 15 seconds worth of page to load to see some shit on the second page. I don't care. I just don't Mm -hmm. care that much. So that's kind of the biggest rule that I have. Other than that, I say, like, I'm a big believer. There's so many ATSs out there. 
and most of them are awful. Mm-hmm. And ATS, ATS for the job seeker who hasn't been on the inside of a staffing group, <laughs> ATS is applicant <laughs> tracking system. Yes. I and they're not so, robots. And they, they are so not that's robots. The, yeah, that's the system they, that most recruiters work with. So that's, It's just a database. It's just mm-hmm. like the place that it holds your stuff. But what it does for a lot, so depending on which one it is, Some of them, we get to see an image of your actual resume, the way you Mm -hmm. uploaded it. And some of them, we don't. Mm -hmm. Some of them, we just get what we call parsed, which is where the system has tried to piece out the pieces of your resume. And and when people have stuff that's really heavily formatted, you just get word soup and you Mm -hmm. can't really heads or tails of it. And because you as a candidate have no idea what kind of ATS you're going to have to engage with. Mm -hmm. It's always my recommendation that you have a format simple one. So people have these ones these days are really in vogue. They have like all the pretty colors and like Mm -hmm. multiple columns. That stuff gets turned into hot garbage by Mm -hmm. some of the ATSs. So just don't like, yeah, I'm a fan of simple too. Just keep mm -hmm. it simple. Like simple, not much above like rich text format is kind of my take on it. I also think about pictures. No, what? Mm-hmm. I'm with you. No, absolutely not. I what I tell people when they tell me that they like they should have their photo on there is I tell them that three of the agencies I have worked for over the years, we had a wall of shame <laughs> where anybody who put their photo on their resume, we took it off and then we all took turns mocking them. <laughs> My personal favorite was the gentleman who put a photo of his wife have him standing behind his wife in the birthing pool where <gasps> she had just given birth to their son. Asked me how I know because the umbilical cord was still attached. Okay. So clearly an important photo for him that says a lot. Absolutely. Right. Was it going to get him a job? Maybe no. Not. Yeah. Hard Is it no. a professional picture? No. Kind of I, like the one you showed me the other day where Let's say if he was going to be going for Chippendales or a non-magic <laughs> mic, that would have been the perfect picture. Yet for a professional job, for probably your LinkedIn not. profile. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it was it 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 was an eight pack with like showing the V as they pulled down their trousers. Cat is what the oh impressive. <laughs> The LinkedIn Very profile for the professional. Was. The LinkedIn Very. profile. Okay. The, what not to do on LinkedIn as well as your resume list. Yeah. No sexy fun time pictures. None no. on I, LinkedIn. And just no photos at all on your resume. I no. think part of it is some states, as I know you ladies know, but other people may not, um, have really specific rules about what information you can and can't give a hiring manager. Mm-hmm. And federal contract, any of the like federal contracting regulations, those sort of things as well have some rules about that. So you can't give them information about things like marital status, race, yeah. et cetera. So if you have your photo, guess what information you have just smacked on there? Which means that in order for me as a recruiter to pass your resume to the hiring manager, you just made extra steps. Do you know what happens to people that make it harder for me to put you forward? Nothing good. They go into the hell no pile because right. why? So yeah, that's uh, those definitely a no on that. Um, I really hate the stupid canned language. All of those lists that you can Google that are like 15 words to put in your resume to make sure you get that interview. Whatever those 15 words are, don't use them. 
Because the other mm-hmm. 9 billion people who Googled that same thing have them in there. And as soon as I see, if I see one more out-of-the-box thinker oh. <laughs> or one more driven professional, mm-hmm. or I'm just like, oh, for God's sake. Come thought on. leader. Thought leader. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you're a thought leader, why have I never heard of you? Because I've heard of a lot of people in this space. Do you know what I mean? Like, come on. A, a multifunctional athlete. Oh, athlete. Yes. That's, that's, that's what almost worse play? than unicorn. That's almost worse than unicorn. What do you play Tennis. athlete? Mm-hmm. 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 There's just so many like guru ninja. Don't oh. call yourself any of that. You might as well Rock just star. like say I am a douche. Like that's all I hear <laughs> with that. Rockstar. It just, yeah. So these are all really great, absolute doable tips. Talk to me a little bit or us about the resume versus LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. Like when you're telling someone, here's how, you know, keep everything top of the scroll and who are you and all that. That's wonderful. Apply that same top of your mind logic to their LinkedIn profile. So what I say about LinkedIn profiles is that it's supposed to be kind of 50-50 between who you are as a human being and who you are as a professional. Mm. And the who you are as a human being part is really kind of about clickbait. Because if you're going to turn up in my search as a recruiter for somebody on LinkedIn, either because you applied directly for the job or because they did a search and and you're in it, if you can get my attention on you because of something that is not your applicant number 62 in a giant Mm -hmm. list, you win. Mm -hmm. One of my friends and LinkedIn people that I like a lot has his headline underneath it, VP of engineering. Okay. That's what he does for a living. And then aspiring zombie novelist. You know who I'm going to click on every freaking time? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Aspiring Mm -hmm. zombie novelist. Boom, baby. I'm there. I'm there. Uh, We did one for a woman who is a, a research data analyst and what if, like, she had this on her Facebook, but she was like, I don't know if it's appropriate for LinkedIn, but it's an angel in the streets and a devil in the spreadsheets. I'm like, oh, nice. I'm going to click on that all day long. That's adorable. Well, and because I, as a recruiter, I want to interview you because you're funny. And most data scientists may not be comedians, but you are a data, you're a devil in the spreadsheet. So I'm in. They're not leading with their sense of humor like she did. Yes. No. And I think, like, that's what people, like Liz, you know, and, and Kat, I'm sure you do too. Like you just, your eyes start to glaze over, right? Mm-hmm. By about the mm-hmm. 30th candidate, you're like, oh, no, no, no. Seen it over and over. So if you have somebody that is interesting in a way mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, check this out. Aspiring zombie novelist. Well, hello. Good looking. Do you know what I mean? Like now <laughs> yeah. I'm like all up in your profile and the quality of attention that you get from me in that yeah. situation is night and day from the quality of attention mm-hmm. that somebody is going to get if they just turn up in the list. So like, I know, you know, when Liz and I have done uh, candidate reviews, we're like two seconds, we're in, we look at their uh, experience and we're out and look at the experience and out because we have a list of 40 mm-hmm. and like five minutes to get through them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, aspiring zombie novelist. I've got a lot more time for that guy, right? Like now we're like, dude, check it out. Do you think he's got a link to zombie novels? Because I want to check that out. Like those types of things, people really underestimate how much of a difference that makes. Mm -hmm. And then they also, people don't realize that 
the algorithm, LinkedIn is a business. And mm-hmm. so they feed themselves. Mm-hmm. And so any in any search on LinkedIn, people who are active LinkedIn users always outrank people who are not mm-hmm. active. So as you guys know, and I don't know, listeners may not, we do use a basic Boolean search, really, mm-hmm. to find people. And so if you, you may have way fewer instances than somebody else. But if you're an active user and they're not, you're going to outrank them in the LinkedIn. And so in order to be considered an active user, you have to have a minimum of 500 connections and you need to be doing five pieces of social activity every day. So that can be posting, liking, commenting, sharing, what have you, but applying for jobs doesn't count. Uh Messaging people doesn't count. All of that sort of stuff. And so you know, I make my husband do it. He does it in the bathroom, <laughs> but like it's those little things, like you have it on your phone, you, you like five things and you're done. Right. Okay. But it matters to the algorithm. Okay. And so as a result, like you come up higher when people are searching for you and just those little tweaks even will like night and day, the difference between the attention you get. Okay. Job seekers. I hope you hear that. Get active on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You can like, you can like five things a day. Yep. And that'll make you active. Bathroom action optional. (laughs) But so really, if you're job seeking, you have to like, that's, it's not a, uh, it's, it's really, you've got to do it because I know I've looked for whatever product managers and, you know, and Stanford or whatever, whatever my hiring manager wanted. Right. And then they'd be like, I met this person. See, he's a PM from Stanford. I'm like, why didn't that, I've done the same search 87 times. Why didn't this person come up? The reason they didn't come up is because they're not an active user. Yep. And so I relied on my search string and often I'll look like at specific companies and be like, why didn't that person come up in my search string? They only came up when I looked really specifically at a company. So being an active user is absolutely critical. The other thing along those lines that piss, actually, this irritates me about LinkedIn because I feel like this is not very transparent. They have the setting to make things only visible to recruiters. What they don't explain is that that means that it is only visible to people who have paid for mm-hmm. the LinkedIn recruiter very specific and particular login. There are a lot of recruiters who have not paid that it's $8,000. Yeah. Yes. And let alone any hiring managers or HR people. There are a lot of people who don't pay for that, but are in that space. Mm-hmm. And I think that pe- the way that it's worded makes people think that anybody, like there's some secret box that they're ticking that says I am somehow recruiting and they don't realize that it is people only who have paid for this particular product because you as a job seeker, you don't give a monkeys if they paid for that or not, right? You just want to get found by those people. And I I feel like it's a little disingenuous of LinkedIn personally, Mm -hmm. um, the way that it's worded because people are always like, what do you mean you didn't find me? I was like, friend, like I, when I did my initial search, I wasn't using my recruiter login because, yeah. you know, don't always use it. <laughs> they do. I mean, I got hosed by them today because I tried to the hiring thing around my little face and I had to post a job in order to yep. have that. I'm like, no, I've got all the jobs. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I have no desire to use your thing. Yep. Absolutely. And then it posted 
like something I, I got a applicant in like 20 seconds, like, wait, no. And so I, now I do not have hiring around my face, which is very frustrating, but yes. that was very LinkedIn of them. Mm-hmm. So Michelle, tell us about this, the LinkedIn function open to work. You know, I think this is a weird thing for there to be controversy about. I do not understand why this is controversial. Uh-uh. If you're open to work, you're open to work. I don't understand why people will get their knickers in a bunch about a green swish. Like, <laughs> do it, don't do it. I don't I don't really care. Do you think it what helps I, people? No. I yeah. think it's really kind of mocks nicks. Um, I think that, you know, if somebody applies and they and they have a green swish, great. <laughs> I think that what helps people is good LinkedIn content. And I think mm-hmm. that that is really neither here nor there. The only thing I could see it possibly helping with is um, really lazy sourcers of which there are a dearth in the industry. <laughs> let us be clear. Who are like, oh, well, how do I know this person is actually like interested? I'm going to talk to all the green swishes first, right? Like, yeah. And then the other thing that it does do is it lets uh, people market to you to try to sell you mm-hmm bad resume writing mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. terrible career coaching. Sometimes good, but mostly bad. Let's mm-hmm. be fair. Let's, be, Let's fair. be fair. So I guess to follow up on that, how do you tell a good one from a bad one? So I have really strong opinions on this. No, you? Right now. It's so surprising. I, I am friends with a, a woman named Amy Miller, who I know mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you guys are also fans mm-hmm. of the Amy. Mm-hmm. And she has a group on the LinkedIn called Job Seeker Guardians. And our entire purpose in life is to keep job seekers from being ripped off by snake oil salesmen. Mm-hmm. Broadly. So I would say go to that group on LinkedIn. And if you think you want to hire somebody, ask if we know anything about them and we will tell you warts and all. Mm-hmm. There are great people. There are not great people. Mm-hmm. For me, I would never recommend you hire anybody who is not, if not an active recruiter, has not been a recruiter in the last five years. And I say that very specifically because as you guys know, in the industry, the last five years have been a doozy. Mm -hmm. Like stuff today looks totally different to what it did five years ago. The fact that I don't see resumes as a recruiter right? My sourcers send me LinkedIn URLs. I never see your resume until I'm sending you to the hiring manager, unless you're a direct applicant and you're on the ATS. But like, that wasn't true five years ago. Like so many needles have moved, especially with COVID, that if they're not in the game or really, really recently in the game, they just can't speak to what the current standard is. Mm And I know people are like, well, but what if I'm a hiring manager? What if you're a hiring manager? I don't understand. What part of you need to be recruiter was vague. Um, <laughs> not an HR person, not a hiring manager. Because ultimately, right, like recruiters are the one piece of the recruitment puzzle that knows all three target demographics. So you've got the ATS has needs, which is really just that it's format simple. That's all it really cares about because it's, you know, all it's trying to do database. is parse. Yeah, it's just a database. There's no brain. The Boolean string has needs, which is around instances of your key terms in there. Mm -hmm. Again, recruiters understand how we write Boolean strings. Mm -hmm. So we know exactly what I would type in and search for whatever the position is, right? We know what we're going to look for 
as a recruiter. So that makes, that's a big check. And we're the ones that have to deal with the hiring managers. And when you have a single hiring manager, they only know their perspective. As a recruiter, I have worked with thousands of hiring managers. I know all of the flavors of hiring manager, good, bad, and ugly, right? And so I know the sample set that we have to draw from is totally different from any of the other people who feel like they have knowledge in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess that's number one. And then number two, I would say anybody that does not have, if their service involves send me your resume and I will send you back a new resume, run and give mm-hmm. them no money because yeah. they can't possibly know anything without talking to you more. Mm-hmm. Any resume that costs you less than $100 wasn't worth the money you spent. Nope. Because time is money. Mm-hmm. So if it's cheap, one of two things is happening. Either they're not spending a lot of time or their time is not very valuable. And that's kind of simple as that. There are some really big companies out there who will guarantee $99 resume within 24 hours and... I can think of a lot more useful things to do with $99 than (laughs) just throw it at those people. Um, If they try to tell you things like everybody needs a one-page resume, if they want to have a resume, give you, create a resume for you that is one of these like multi-columns, graphical, pretty things. If they tell you that you need to have an ATS proof. If they talk to you about bots. If they, like any of that, type of language, just run. They don't know what they're talking about. The minute they have you white font on white paper. White fonts, goodbye. (laughs) Yeah, those people haven't done the job. I really like what you say about having someone who's been in the recruiter seat because we know Mm -hmm. what we respond to. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I'd prefer someone who is recruited for a similar role that you do Mm -hmm. because they know if I've recruited for a demand generation person, I've looked at thousands of demand generation profiles and resumes. I know what I'm looking for generally. So therefore I'm going to give you better advice than the person who does has never done that before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that the big one for that for me is execs. Executive recruitment is a totally separate freaking helpline. Oh yeah. And if you have not like walked that mile a few times, you've got no business writing anybody's resume in that space. Mm -hmm. And I have seen, it is also, I believe the most abused space. People hear exec and they just start like hearing dollar signs. Yeah, And it's like, they have no idea what the hell they're talking about. I know people who are, have been executive resume writers for years. And they're like, I only write two page resumes for an exec. Why did you bother? If you're writing an F500 exec and you can put it on two pages, then they're not ready to be an F500 exec. Full fact. Like just, yeah. but there's a difference between the resume that, and that's the thing, like you have to understand the process, right? Like they need a one sheet. That is correct because that's going to go in the packet that goes to the panel. That's going to be what goes to the board, all of Mm -hmm. those things. They need that one sheet, but they also need that really developed four page resume Mm -hmm. that answers all of the other questions about the strategy that they've led, the culture that they create around them, all of those Mm -hmm. things. 
And anybody who is not trying to create that for you, you really don't want mm-hmm. doing it because they they don't understand very fundamentally the difference there. And it it makes me like we get so many people at the director and executive level that come to us who have spent thousands of dollars and just been taken complete advantage of. I have this incredibly sweet guy that came to me thinking he just needed LinkedIn help. He's a CFO and there's not a single number on his resume until page two. Uh, Criminal. And he paid like $600 for it. I'm like, I no. that person should really be ashamed. (laughs) So tell us more. Like what are the biggest mistakes you see? On resumes. And we're not talking about Magic Mike. We're talking about like on general okay. resumes. <laughs> that people make or like people make on their own or that resume writers do. That resumes have on them. Yeah. Like they, so someone can take their resume out and be like, oh, oh and take it out right now. So, so if, you're, if you're in a numbers job, you want some numbers on your first page of resume, whether you're you a CFO have, or not, right? Yeah. Any job yeah. you want to have numbers because yeah. numbers create context, right? Mm-hmm. For anybody, the biggest thing that I would say is don't tell me what you're your job duties are. I don't care. If I'm hiring for a project manager, you know what I don't need you to tell me is that you led scrums because you know what, or I, I led standups. That's the one I'm like, duh. Come on. Oh, so you, you did your job. Did you also breathe air while you were doing that? <laughs> Freaking fantastic. I just like, I hate that so much. Mm-hmm. Don't list your job description at me. Like give me why you were good at it. If you mm-hmm. tell me you were in customer service, I know what that job looks like. Right. If I'm hiring for this role, I know what I have a vague idea of what you did. If you did something exceptional mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is not the normal thing for somebody to be doing, great. You can list that, but only if it's really pretty exceptional. And then, other than that, focus on what you were good at. Yeah. Your and why you were great. Yeah. And all of it needs context. You tell me. So, let's say, you know, you want to be a, a support manager. Great. So you have experience working in tech support. I have questions. How many calls a day? What sort of environment? Was it an inbound call center? Was it inbound, outbound? What level of support were you working? How many calls a day did you take? What was the average duration? How were, what were your Check. metrics around quality? Like all of those things. That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. What ticketing program were you using? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, and then I don't care about whatever you said. Mm-hmm. And I would say like salespeople are terrible about not putting their numbers in there. Mm-hmm. They want to waffle on about like built great customer rapport by, I don't care. I don't care. But hiring as a, as a high baby. level salesperson, you better be building good yeah. customer rapport, right? That's a, that should be a given. Honestly, for most companies, they don't care. Like if you're exchanging sexual favors to the mm-hmm. car park, they just want you to hit your numbers. <laughs> Like all I want to know is what are your numbers and did you hit them? Yep. Yeah. And how did that compare to other people? Right. Like, right. I want to see president's club. I want to see president's club. I want to see numbers over a hundred percent. I don't care if it's like you put the quarters you did it versus the years because some quarters you didn't make it. I want to see over a hundred percent on a regular basis. I want to know what you sold, who you sold it, sold it to and how much Mm -hmm. did you sell? That's what I want to know. Everything else, really, I don't care. And then I would say a lot of people don't, one of the biggest things that people screw up on is they don't realize the importance of technology. 
if you don't work in tech, people are like, oh, but I work in HR. I don't need to have technology in my resume. Incorrect. Look around. Everybody's on Zoom. Nothing has happened. Like, if you work in HR, I want to know what payrolling systems do you know? What HRISs have you worked with? Have you worked with the timesheeting system as well? Like, all of those type, do you have an ATS? If so, which mm-hmm. one? All of those types of things, A, are important, but B, and maybe more importantly, lazy recruiters are going to put them into their Boolean because mm-hmm. it makes it really easy. Right. Typing in something like HR, there's a thousand jobs that might have HR in that resume, right? Mm-hmm. Left in, engaged with HR, worked with HR, blah, 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 blah. blah. There's not that many that are going to have HRIS or, I mean, mm-hmm. back in the day, PeopleSoft, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like, had that. Mm-hmm. But, like, how many, there's just not that many places that are going to have Lever right. or, mm-hmm. you know, and Greenhouse. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, there's just those kinds of things make it really easy mm-hmm. for, it's an easy Boolean for recruiters. Yeah. And so I'm going to do that every time. And if I find what I need doing that, then I don't have to do the not lazy. Yeah. Boolean. That said, when I see word, Excel, like, oh, that makes outlook, my ass switch. I can't, I, I know I can't, I, I can't. I'm like, you, Oh, you know how to use email. Oh, yeah. You you're a professional in 2021. You can take word off your resume unless you're maybe in in some form of administrative support. And it's really important. I saw someone the other day who had Zoom on their resume. I was like, friend. My mom has Zoom on her resume. You and the rest of the world. Hello. Come on. Again, if it is equivalent to saying, I also breathe air in my free time, I really don't care. Mm -hmm. Come on now. So I would say those are some of like, those are the, the big ones is that people just like, they don't think about it. And then beyond that, I would say for people who have stopped being individual contributors, the biggest issue is that they still brand themselves as an individual mm-hmm. contributor on their resume. And then they get surprised that they get nothing but phone calls for individual contributor jobs. And then they never get the interview because then as soon as they're on the phone with the recruiter, like, oh shit, you are actually this other thing entirely. Right. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got great experience. So you're probably going to get that recruiter call every time, but you're never going to get to where you want to be because you're not getting the recruiter call for the job that you want because you're branding yourself as an IC when you're a strategic contributor instead. Mm-hmm. And I think like we had a, an instance a few weeks ago where someone had all these technologies, but none of them were current mm-hmm. and they got tied up because the Technologies were on the resume, but when asked, they're like, oh, that was a long time ago. Great experience, honestly, but not technical anymore. The I technology, my, yeah, gotta go. I think one of my favorites, my um, so my husband is a super nerd and he's uh, he literally wrote the book on SharePoint. I mean, like, you can't get much nerdier. And he was interviewing somebody the other day who claimed, and I don't know enough about SharePoint to remember what the current iteration that they're on is, but they had claimed that they were had three years of experience on the next gen. My husband was like, I'm really sure you don't. And the guy was like, oh no, I have been using this, blah, blah, blah. And my husband was like, friend, 
I'm on the beta task force with Microsoft for that product and you're not there. And we've only been working for nine months. So again, I'm really sure <laughs> you that you're not getting the job. years of experience with that technology that does not, not currently exist. And not only that, you've just lied to the person that's interviewing you. So there's integrity questions. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So, I, so be honest, people, right? Go back I, to the yeah. basics. I mean, your resume is a marketing tool. You don't want to mm-hmm. forget that. So it's the time to toot your horn, but toot your horn as honestly as you can, because you're going to get called out. Yeah. You know, you want to be able to defend yourself. Now Mm -hmm. saying that a lot, one of the things that people get wrong is that they think they have to use whatever job title HR has given them. Uh That is not the case. HR calls people weird things that make sense internally within the organization, right? Uh Don't do that. You wind up lying by telling the truth, right? Because it says, like, you tell people, oh, you know, I'm a wombat wrangler. You know nothing about wombats. You're actually, you know, a a CRO. But HR thought wombat wranglers sounded funny. So there we go, right? Like, but that happens all the time Mm -hmm. with so many roles. Call yourself something that is an accurate within the market Mm-hmm. depiction of what you did. Mm-hmm. People get hung up about like, I want to have a job title. I'm senior global director, blah, blah, blah. And that's especially like from the startup space, they call themselves all kinds of like wackadoodle, super, you know, executive-y sounding stuff. And that actually shoots you in the foot because you don't have the chops to back that up, mm-hmm. Sunbeam. So I'm going to see that and be like, well, clearly they think that they want to be a senior global director of whatever. Right. And I have this job here that would actually be probably appropriate for them, but I'm never going to call them mm-hmm. because I assume that they have priced themselves out of my range. Or I assume they won't move for less than a VP title. So why exactly. would I try? So if you have a funky job title, make sure that you know what that job title is in the rest of the world and use that yeah. on your resume. And the only time you want to use the real job title, if it's a funky job title, is when you're filling out an application where you have yeah. to sign your name. Yes. Because that the background investigation companies are going to, if there's a, if there's a discrepancy with your job title, that, mm. that could potentially be a problem if you don't have someone cool and, you know, reviewing it. Yeah. So the only time you need to be perfect with, you know, perfect with your job title is when you're filling out that application that you sign. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, an application is a legal document. A mm-hmm. resume is a marketing document. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I've seen people like, I mean, it's so sad I, having worked in financial services for many years and technology. I've seen people, you know, embellish their resume, right? And then they get caught in the process. Like for example, a, a job that did not require a bachelor's degree. Mm. They lied about the bachelor's degree. Guess what? They didn't need it for the job. And because they lied, they didn't get it. Yep. So when you're signing a document, be completely transparent and honest because it will come back and bite you in a bad way. Well, because background checks validate that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you do not lie on your application. It doesn't go well. And it's an awkward yeah. conversation. None of mm-hmm. us want to have with you. So just don't do it. 
But I also feel like like that's true of so many things, right? People, right. when they right. present themselves throughout the recruitment process, people are always asking me, oh, well, you know, what should I say about this? When just tell them the damn truth. Like they're going to mm-hmm. find out. If you get there, if you have presented the, can you imagine if I presented in an interview and on paper as like this really like sober, somber, buttoned up, uber, like ice queen professional, the shock to their system the Monday that I started when the actual me walked in. Yeah, like, that's what happened to me. Is it? <laughs> when I hired you. There you go. Like she was so buttoned up. Absolutely. I what mean, happened? I, what happened? What? Who is no, this? And also, I mean, we've talked about this on episodes in the past yeah. too. Like it's so much easier to be honest because if you're lying, you got to remember who you're lying to. And that ends up just like messing around with your memory. So just be straight up who you are. Mm-hmm. And that way you don't have to play any games. Mm-hmm. For and sure. I know everybody has a cousin who got a job because they lied on their resume or in their interview. I get it. Right. Sure. I can also, as a recruiter, tell you hundreds of horror stories of people who not only didn't, the only people I know who have ever actually been blackballed, and I know people think this happens all the time, it it does not, as you both know, that assumes way too much organization on the part of any company. But the only people I know who have actually been blackballed from especially multiple companies have done so because they lied epically and got massively caught. Oh, yeah. When the background check comes back and we had stuff come back when I was in charge of background checks years after the person had been hired because like Ugh, something got lost. Fired. It was Ugh. a massive problem. One of my favorites is when I was in the UK and I was recruiting, I had, um, I was recruiting for aerospace and had a guy who applied from the U.S. who had worked in all of these airports in the U.S. And it just so happened that all of the airports he claimed to have worked on were the airports that my father was the technical program manager for those airport builds. So I called my dad and I was like, hey, one of your guys has applied for a job with us. I didn't know one of your people was immigrating. He was like, shit, neither did I. And so I told him the guy's name and he was like, I've never heard of that person in my life. And I was like, well, he said he worked in Miami, SFO, San Jose, O'Hare, and Gat- and Newark. And he was like, well, since all of those are my projects, I would probably know him if he had. And he was like, let me make some calls. So he called around. Nobody had heard of this guy. Finally, like a sub-sub vendor mm. found him that he had been like literally like a cable runner. And he was trying to like up on like one of them. And apparently he had just like randomly picked some airports that he knew had like been recently renovated and it never occurred to him that the same dude, like that it's the same, like five companies. So yes, that guy got blacklisted from ever working in aviation again, but what are the odds, right? Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) You made something up, applied internationally and the daughter of the one dude mm-hmm. that could have called you out. Karma's a bitch. Be. I was just going to say, <laughs> sounds like karma stepped in and just said hello. I mean, just statistically speaking, yeah. right? Like this guy was trying to play the odds, but like mm-hmm. 
it totally messed with him. Like after that, because my dad was like, yeah, now that we've flagged it, like he's applied like it, with all of these companies and he's been blacklisted and he'll never work in the, in the industry. Yeah. How did you close the loop with that candidate? I'm just curious, Michelle. <laughs> I, well, you know me, like I'm, I'm always honest. Right. So I went back to him and I was like, look, I just got to tell you, we've checked into your background and it is clear that you do not have this experience. We have a good relationship with the project manager on all of those. And then he tried to tell me that that project manager just never had it in for him and never liked him. At which point I was like, I see. And he was like, and I don't think, you know, I don't think he would know me anyway because of blah, blah, blah. And you know, that guy was like, never there. He just lies about everybody. And I said, mm-hmm. He's also my dad. <laughs> he was like, there you have it. That's yeah. when you just shut your mouth and that bow out, I guess, if you're going to play those kind of games. Yeah, absolutely. Don't. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about how to utilize recruiters. Like when you're talking to job seekers, because I'm sure as you're redoing their resume and their LinkedIn and talking to them about how to utilize LinkedIn and all these other things, you talk to them about how to work with recruiters. What's some of your advice there? Never pay for a recruiter to find you a job. That's oh my thing. God, that's not a thing. Oh no. There no, are it is a thing. It is a thing. People out there will take your money. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a very famous company that I won't name, but that we are all familiar with that would love to take your money to really, really, they swear, get you a job as an executive. Um, this company has been around for years. Um, I'm not saying what it is, but it might start with an L and rhyme with adders. Um, (laughs) And for as long as I have been in this business, which again, over 20 years, and for all of the recruiters I know, which is probably thousands of recruiters, Mm -hmm. I have never heard of a single person even getting an interview through them, let alone a job. And the people I get asked all the time, oh, you know, can I just pay you to get me a job? Like, that's not how this works, boo. Like, that's not a thing. If I, as a what I tell people is if I, as a recruiter, pick up the phone to a hiring manager and I'm like, hey, man, I got this great candidate for you. And they're like, we don't use agencies, hang up. Even if I get them to listen, right? They're going to be like, how much is going to charge you? No, no, no. I charge the candidate. They are on the defensive Mm -hmm. from day one from moment one. Second of all, they're like, that feels weird and exploitive. I don't think I want to do business with you. Yeah, Like it's just not a good look. It doesn't work. I know people say they do it. I know that there are people who represent talent. There are a couple for like super niche stuff, like executive chefs. There are genuine talent representatives. But I mean, if you're not like a world-renowned executive chef, which is like maybe five people that, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like it's if you're not like a talent agent. You know, right? Right. you're That's one of those people, yeah. right? Like, They'll approach you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you it's more like a talent them. agent. Yeah. They'll find you. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's but, fine. But yeah, so like I would say, first of all, like understand that. Mm-hmm. Second of all, understand that because that's the case, recruiters never, ever, ever, not one time, not ever work for you. Mm-hmm. They work for the company, internal recruiters, external recruiters, doesn't matter. They do not work for you. That doesn't mean they don't like you. It doesn't mean they can't help you out and do you a solid. It just means that you're not paying their paycheck. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and they're going to make sure that their client has what they need. Now, a good recruiter is going to make sure to drill down to the candidate to make sure they're finding, making a good fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, you know, for me as a recruiter, I feel like the best way for me to do that is to not waste people's time. Yes. Yep. Right. So I always say, look, we're going to take, you're going to do an interview. I say most of my interviews probably last less than 10 minutes because we go through the, are we wasting each other's time stuff? And most of the time we are. So, okay. And then if we get through that, then now, okay, great. Let's talk about the role. Let's talk about you, your hopes, your dreams, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Great. But until like, for me, first and foremost, it's it's about wasting time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say that I think that for any candidate out there, that's a, if you have a recruiter who isn't naturally doing that, that's a really fair way to start. Mm-hmm. Like approach recruiters is what they are. Treat them appropriately for the role that they play. They are not the hiring manager, but they can be a great advocate. Mm-hmm. But mostly they really just want to know if you're going to get a potentially get this job or not as quickly as possible and then move on to the next person if the answer is no. Mm-hmm. So if you come into it, I always recommend that when you deal with recruiters, have a two-sentence statement that it, people try to give me like their elevator pitch and inevitably their elevator pitch is like five minutes and I didn't care. Yeah. 30 seconds. Elevator pitch is supposed to be 30 seconds. Yeah. It never is though, Kat, you know this. When I ask for it. When I ask for it. Let the recruiter run the show. So this is good. I'm intrigued by this, Michelle. This is, Michelle's going to tell us about her two point two sentence. I am currently working here. I am looking for a job that does this. That's it. Two sentences done. Lead with that. Hey, Michelle, great to talk to you. I'm so excited to hear from you from XYZ Corp. Saw the rack, thought it was interesting. A little about me. I am currently working in this. I'm looking for this. Is this a good match? No, it's not. Thank you very much and have a great day. Okay. Or if if they're not working, they say my last role was this. Mm -hmm. I have been working in this Mm -hmm. and I am looking for this. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Same thing. Simple, straight Mm -hmm. to the point. Right. I hate there's all this crappy info out there that's like, well, I'm willing to talk about roles that are, you know, never, never turn down the opportunity by being too specific. Mm-hmm. Definitely never talk to them about money. Stop it. I, as a recruiter, here's the thing I am not trying to negotiate salary with you. A recruiter is almost never the one that negotiates salary. We may be the middleman in the negotiation. But we do not have the power usually mm-hmm. to do anything other than relay messages. Mm-hmm. And whenever possible, I try to be as far from that as humanly possible, to be perfectly honest. And most recruiters do because down that path lies madness. But you're going to talk mm-hmm. about money at some point early on sure. in the process to make sure that you're on the same page, right? right? So answer the questions. How many times have we had to go back and forth with a candidate as as a recruiter, I'm sure Liz, when we worked together, you heard me, you heard me back and forth with candidates. It's like, yes. whoever told you that you don't talk about money ever, is wrong. it's wrong. Shoot them in the right? face. My latest response, Kat, when I say to them, right, I just want to make sure we're in the same ballpark with money. What kind of range are you looking for? And they inevitably say something like, well, I really just want to talk about what the opportunity is. And then depending on, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have a specific number in mind. Bullshit. My answer, my new answer is great. So I'm going to put you down for uh, $40,000 a year. Does that work? <laughs> oh, no. 
then maybe give me a damn number. Mm-hmm. Come on. I just, these don't blink, make them tell you first mm-hmm. people like that is so crazy. Whoever gave you that advice, it's, it's, it's super old. It's not in today's world. You know, you, you got to have some trust in the process. If you're talking to a recruiter, trust them. Their, their job is to find the best person for the job. So give them the information they need. Make sure that you're taking care of yourself, you know, value yourself appropriately, figure out if you don't know how to do that, start doing some market research to find out what you should be paid. Yep. And be upfront. It's enough to stop the process if you're if you're a real jerk about it. Well, mm-hmm. but also, like time is a great commodity. So if I want 100 and Michelle's job pays 60, why? We don't need to talk anymore because I right. want 100 and she pays she can only pay 60 and that's not her fault. Well, maybe it is because they are at market, but different industry, whatever. My requirements and her requirements are different. We're not a match. We can have a five-minute combo and be out. Yep. Or I can go to the end of the interview process and waste hours of time. And then when it, she comes at me with 60, I'm like, 60? I want 100. Well, if you said that at first. And Pete, I know, like, so I'm a huge, I love the idea of being transparent about salaries. I love the idea of having it on ads. I love telling people straight up, like, I'm a big fan of that. But here is the reality. As much as I'm an advocate for that, and I know Liz and I don't always agree on this one, but I am a big believer in this. The problem is that it's just more damn complicated from our perspective. So people are always like, well, what's your budget? I'm like, okay, well, let me explain to you context first. Mm -hmm. We have two separate bands that we are considering people in. I can't tell you right now which band we might consider you in or not. And we do regional adjustments. And I can't tell you where you're going to fall in the regional adjustment either. So I don't want to tell you, I mean, I can tell you what the budgetary band is, like the total, like the top, top and the bottom, bottom. But what that has to do with you, I I cannot begin to comment on. I don't know you yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know you yet. Mm-hmm. So that information is not as helpful to you as you think it is. Because what happens is, right, they're like, oh, you know, I'll be like, well, you know, our top top would be 250. And they're like, oh, that's great. I was looking for 230. Okay. Just so you know, like, so now that I have said that, do you feel like you've gained something because you made me go through all of that rigmarole first? Like if you knew you wanted 230, why didn't you just say you wanted Mm -hmm. 230? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise I have to give you like a 50K range, which tells you nothing. Right. Well, and I'm going to base it on your experience. So within that range, I'm going to look at, all right, I've got three people that are super senior at the 250. You're not there. You're at the 220. And now you want 250. And I'm like, you're not there, buddy. If you're withholding information in the process, like if it was difficult to get that number, that's going to probably play into the equation as well. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I said to hiring managers, listen, this is this is the information. This is a good candidate. The process has not been easy. The process has been challenging. In my experience, when the process has been challenging, (laughs) that that often goes beyond the recruiting process. So Mm -hmm. it's a red flag. Don't be one of those jerks in the recruiting process because it might prevent you from getting a job. Poor Liz gets this on our Slack channel all the time. One of my bugbears is 
when I find myself having to say, as I said a moment ago, <laughs> especially in technology, women in tech don't get listened to. Mm-hmm. And so if I am talking to a candidate, the third time I say, as I said a moment ago, I start making notes. I just start, I just keep like a running tally. But yeah, by the time I get to three, you're out. Because if you won't listen to me as a recruiter, why do I think you're going to listen to my hiring manager? That to me is a is it beyond a red flag. Like or be I had, a good team member. Be be exactly. good in the role. If you can't listen, if you can't play right, you're you're probably not going to be. My favorite long-term. is the people who talk over me. Um, and don't listen to trying to tell me about how great their communication skills are. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like you keep using this word yeah. and it does not mean what you think it means. Right. I have evidence to the contrary. <laughs> Here's a moment of self-awareness. Michelle, I feel like we could talk to you forever. And I think that we, I think that we should plan now to have you come back sometime soon mm-hmm. and continue this conversation or talk about something else because, uh, This is just, I think we could go on for hours and hours, but Mm -hmm. tell us where people can find you and, uh, and, and who, who, who should reach out to you? I am always happy to help people feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm sure you guys put in the show notes, um, all of those contact details and we have a website. I'm all about transparency. So our prices and everything are very clear. I'm not one of these people who's like, call me for a quote. That's, (laughs) I find that asinine. I'm very like, this is how much it is. But honestly, our philosophy is very much that if I can just tell you what you need to do, I don't mind just telling you what to do. I'm going to tell you that to do it right is a major pain in your butt. And so if you can pay somebody else to do it, you probably should. But, you know, otherwise, like, I don't mind if you just want me to look at your resume and tell you the 15 things that you need to change about it. Cool. I'll do that for you for free. Go ahead and, you know, send me a LinkedIn. That's great. But I promise like most of the time, by the time I get done explaining to you all the things that are wrong with it, you're probably going to be like, actually, just, why don't I just give you that the $300 is sounding really cheap right now. So- <laughs> we know that you're a recruiter. You also do, you do resumes, you do career coaching. So you say you, like it's me personally. Okay. okay. I, I don't, I don't, I don't write things, Kat. And okay. if I can avoid it. Um, okay. So I have on your team. I have a team of people who are excellent writers. I am not an excellent writer. Um, I'm just a very opinionated recruiter. So my job is that all of our resumes that go out go through me. And I go, nope, nope, don't care. hate that. That's dumb. That's great. Problem. But I don't actually do the writing. And I always like to be transparent about that. Because again, like people are like, so you're going to personally write my resume. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just told you I had five recs I'm working on right now. What? This 15 minutes was tough. I ain't got time for that. So, You've got someone who's highly skilled who can. Yeah, do that. I have a really, I have a really highly skilled team, and there's not like a, tons of them. There's three of them, and um, do all of the writing. And so we do resumes, we do uh, career coaching, and that is me personally. Um, I do interview prep as well. Um, oh, good. I have, good. I have a um, a ninety five percent success rate with people I prep for interview. Oh, that's amazing. About a thousand um, at Amazon. So if you got Amazon interviews, I've never had somebody not get the job yet. Woo-hoo. Please don't call me if you're going to be my first. Um. <laughs> uh, okay, and, good to know. This is actually yeah. really good to know because yeah. I uh, I occasionally will send someone out to do some interview prep with someone who's better at it than I am. 
And the person who, uh, who I usually do that with has become quite busy. So I'm super glad we got to talk tonight. Yay. No worries. So yeah, that's me. And like I said, all that's on the website. They're welcome to contact me there or on LinkedIn. I'm pretty, I'm easy to find and happy to help. Okay. We'll make sure that we have all those links on the show notes. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really had fun talking to you. You're very welcome. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and real job talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at realjobtalk. And on Instagram and Facebook at realjobtalkshow. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat, And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beaks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a tech reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you. <laughs>